Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we talk about a band, where we talk about an artist, and this week we're talking about Sufian Stevens. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I am Dax. Jared. This is Tyler. And again, this week we are talking about Sufian Stevens, and how did everybody feel about listening to Sufian this week? What a folky boy. A folky only boy. folk. No, no electronic stuff. Uh, it was only folk. That's what I liked. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and you suck already. Okay. Wonderful. <laughs> Good. Great. You know what? Okay, let's if you want to if we want to start there, that might be an interesting place to start. If anybody is listening and they're familiar with Sufjan Stevens, uh they may not be familiar with the album Enjoy Your Rabbit, which is his second album that came out, which was his foray into electronic music, and we'll go ahead and jump right in now. He had a new album that came out this week, and that album is called Aporia, and that was released as Sufjan Stevens, along with Lowell Brams, which is his stepfather, both of which were electronic-based music, one of which was more... Well, the Age of Ads is very electronic as well. That is true. Age that of is... Ads. That's what I was going to bring up as well. That's kind of this throwback to electronic, if you will. Yes, I would agree that the Age of Odds is definitely one where he has a lot more of that electronic sound to it. So, Dex, did you like that sound did you like the age of odds or did you find that one unappealing as well because of the electronics i liked that one more so and it's not necessarily that i uh i just dislike all of the electronic stuff mm-hmm. i just vibe much more with all of the folky bits sure it's more my style oh boy well do i have a question for you when we get back from this this brief foray into enjoy your rabbit oh you want to talk about enjoy your rabbit oh i thought you were going to play something from it well we definitely can I don't care. I don't. We can do it later. I thought you were about to do it. I thought that's what you were doing. Oh, or from the new one. What are you going to play from? We could play so, either one, whichever one. We could play something from "Enjoy Your Rabbit," which I will. I will state "Enjoy Your Rabbit" was a another concept album because Sufjan Stevens loves his concept albums. This one was kind of like a. Uh, each song was about the Chinese zodiacs. So the songs are titled "Year of the Tiger," "Year of the Snake," "Year of the Rooster." And then there's also one where it's called Enjoy Your Rabbit. And then at the very end, he has Year of Our Lord, which, you know, is a shift from all of the other stuff. Because Lord is not indeed one of the Chinese Zodiac sign things. It's not. No, she's royal. She is indeed. Oh, boy. Did you guys, just around the table, uh, did you guys enjoy the Enjoy Your Rabbit album more, or did you enjoy the more ambient style that was on Aporia? I prefer Age of Odds. <laughs> he just did not like the two. All right, that wasn't the, that wasn't the question, but that's a good answer. So I think. Well, there it's the same genre that you're talking about. Are you talking about the stuff without his, his voice in it? That's your thing. Yes. I didn't like either. That's my opinion. Just neither. Ne- neither of them were better. Uh, it, it was just music like i don't enjoy uh like the just music music what was you it? like jazz yes uh no what what was i um instrumental yeah i'm not a, i do not normally enjoy instrumental music so that's it 
I I didn't realize I, it took me quite a bit of of that album to realize that there was not going to be any voice. It took you quite a bit. How many? How long did it take you? I think at least half the album. Man, this sure is a long song. <laughs> oh my god, horrible, horrible. How about you, Tyler? What did you feel about Aporia and Enjoy Your Rabbit? I preferred Enjoy Your Rabbit. Oh, really? I did. I really, I actually really liked Enjoy Your Rabbit. I found, and I guess I might as well get into it. I had never listened to the first two of his albums. Neither did I. So I had never listened to A Sun Came, which uh, I really like that album a lot. Really? That's where Pitchfork sucks a bunch. Yeah, because Pitchfork's rating on it is garbage. Because it's definitely better than a 6.6. Idiots. Uh, and then I really liked Enjoy Your Rabbit as well. And I also really liked Run, Rabbit, Run. I was going to ask you. Please talk about Run, Rabbit, Run, Tyler. So Run, Rabbit, Run was an album by the Also String Quartet. Where they took every song from Enjoy Your Rabbit. And they had different artists come in and create arrangements for string quartet. So Michael Atkinson did a lot of them. Uh, but we also have like Nico Muley and Oliver Munchen. And uh, they're really good. They're really good. They're quite good. They transfer, yeah, they transfer surprisingly well. I don't know if I could say that surprisingly, but I guess you wouldn't think about transferring it. Uh, but they transfer very well. So it's interesting to see electronic sounds being transferred into a string quartet of some kind, whatever whatever massive amount of people were put into the string section. Uh, right. Well, it's in, what's kind of interesting about it in terms of that is like really when you get down to synth and you get down to the, the instrumentation we think of in electronic music, it's really, ba- it's really based off of strings anyway. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, before people were using synth in songs, you would use strings in songs to get similar sound. And some people still use that. I mean, a synth is not super different from strings in terms of its sound and the roles it often plays. So it, it is interesting. Since we're talking about some of the albums that people are a little less familiar with, did anybody have a chance to listen to anything from Planetarium? I had previously listened to it. Some of it. Okay. Yeah, a little bit. I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. Go ahead. I had listened to some of it. I didn't get to listen to all of it. I personally enjoyed that album quite a bit. I It's also a not electronic album but there's a lot more like electronic based sounds and this should not be surprising at all given the fact that it's called planetarium it's very spacey sounding so i I just didn't know if anybody had given it a chance and if anybody enjoyed it but it was what i listened to was okay it was all right i mean i'm not i'm not huge into aporia quite honestly um it wasn't bad but i just didn't find that it had the same feel that enjoy a rabbit had for instance in terms of you know songs that are not lyrical and, and mostly musical it just didn't really hit the same spot part of it and i hadn't heard any either of them i suppose you know what i mean um but you know n- having never heard enjoy your rabbit and then having it come on and be like oh this is really a lot different because a lot of people know michigan uh and they know michigan basically up through illinois or age of odds you don't think people know carrie and lowell they do know Carrie and Lowell as well. And Carrie and Lowell is like, it's weird because his his career is kind of interesting because it starts with A Sun Came, which is a really, I, like I said, I really like that album, but it's really quite interesting because he's mixing kind of a, a folk sound that is not him. You know, when people think of Sofjan in terms of folk, they think of 
bringing in uh, banjos, bringing in, for instance, some song he uses steel guitar in his later in uh, in Carrie and Lowell, and so they think about these this large instrumentation and this or that, but it's not that type of stuff on a Sun King. No, it's very whimsical. Yes, it's like the base of folk, and then it's very indie rock as well. In in some tracks, there's lots of guitar, like more guitar in terms of the electrical side than in any other album, really. Uh, and it's used a lot more often. So I don't know. I really I like that album a lot. I thought it was quite interesting. So but you go from there to a fully electronic album and then you move into, you know, what is probably his most notable sound with Michigan and moving forward through Seven Swans in Illinois. And then, of course, you hit Age of Odds and it's like a throwback to enjoy your rabbit in a sense in terms of some of the sounds and then carry allows once again back to the folky aspect of his career so he kind of goes back and forth throughout time well what i find to be compelling about it that you're describing is when you say this is the sufjan stevens sound which is what most people associate with it because they're familiar with michigan and they're familiar with illinois which are the two really most popular concept albums that he has where he's doing the 50 states project that he wanted to do which i think he even said if i remember correctly he even kind of said oh this is a publicity stunt i didn't actually intend on doing unfortunately unfortunately yes he did say it was a joke well it was i mean it was made up by his publicist it wasn't even i read an article about it a few months ago actually for i don't know i just stumbled upon it and it wasn't even really necessarily a thing that he was going for. You know, he found, oh, maybe I'll do this, kind of a joke type thing. And his publicist just ran with it and told people, hey, this is what he's going to do. Went to boost sales of Illinois, for you know, which is kind of weird because that album is so huge. I don't know that you would really need it. So Probably not, though I don't know. I don't know. A lot of the theatrics that Sufjan uses are probably what made him relatively popular. Like the fact that Michigan was like a 50 states project and everyone was like, oh, well, I'd love to see a California or a Texas or a New York or a whatever. You know, the people in Rhode Island are like, can you make an album about us, please? Uh, like you would think that maybe that would give people some kind of thing to latch onto and get interested in the album i don't know i would think that the sound of michigan would just get popular on its own but i don't think a sun came or enjoy your rabbit are really they they weren't like massively popular so he would have still had to do something to make his album popular in some way oh sure yeah but i don't but they didn't really focus on the because for instance michigan came out in 03 seven swans then in 04 so it's not a state by you know it's not michigan wasn't followed up by a state album you know, Illinois didn't come out till 2005. Uh, and that's when they really try to use that narrative as a boost, you know, in terms of getting stuff out there. But by that time, Michigan had been out for two years. Seven Swans, following in a similar style in terms of the songwriting and the sounds, kind of solidifies him as in, in that type of his artistry. So I, I don't know. I'm just not sure that it would be, you know, people who like him would like him, of course. And, and that, I mean... Just look at how, I mean, everyone knows Chicago when you talk to people, people who know Sufjan, a lot of people know that song, you know, um, and I guess it's just about different experiences too. I mean, the people I, I am familiar with and I've talked to about outside of you all, of course, uh, are familiar with that album, you know, quite regularly. But when you look on Spotify, for instance, Karen Lau has songs that have, you know, higher listens for it, for instance. So uh, I'm not, I'm not sure where to place it, but. Well, what I was going to say too is, is that people think that like Michigan and Illinois, the two 50 states albums 
are like the Sufian sound. They're like, this is this is what we know. But really, if you think about it, there's only two 50 States albums that have that big production sound that way. Then he's got Age of Odds, which is not that. It has a big production sound, but it also is more of like an electronic-based big sound. And then you have two albums that are pretty folksy, which is um, Carrie and Lowell, and then also you have Seven Swans. And even to a certain degree, A Sun Came is also a little bit more of just that kind of regular folksy sound. But again, it's more like a like a medieval. I don't know. There's, I'm not sure. There's there's some weird elements to it. But I would lump Seven Swans and Carrie Lowell, Carrie and Lowell together a little bit more. And he's got two. I don't I don't know. Like it just seems like he's got so many different sounds that it's hard to say what sound is a Sufian specific sound. It's more which sound people enjoyed more, which sound people know more, and which they just enjoy more. So where do people stand? You know what's interesting? Uh, those albums, um, his first few albums, uh, I believe, no, it would be, so from Michigan and Seven Swans were both released on a record label owned by Mr. Daniel Smith, uh, uh, the lead singer of the group Danielson, which they were relatively popular, signed to uh, Tooth and Nail, and they're a... Uh, rock religious group uh and they kind of got somewhat popular or whatever but it's his record label and the record label is called sounds familiar boop 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 ba-dum, bum. and those are the two uh both michigan and seven swans were released on those labels wasn't all of his albums from there on and some of them beforehand weren't they on his own label asthmatic kitty they've all been re-released on asthmatic kitty as well but uh, okay. Yeah. Well, you said Seven Swans was on Sounds Familiar? Mm-hmm. Well, I got a That Sounds Familiar from Seven Swans. Now a good time for it? I would think so. All right. So uh, it, it's more of just like a neat little uh, thing that he put into it, but uh, the Transfiguration. That, that little part right there, uh, he later reused on Illinois for the song Chicago. Yeah, I found that as well. I'm glad you brought that one up. Would anybody say that Chicago is their favorite song? That's not my favorite song, but I have a favorite song. It's off of uh, Illinois. Oh, really? Which song is that? It's, oh boy, it's John Wayne Gacy Jr. Oh, I knew it. I knew it was going to be that. I knew you liked that song. How could you not? Let's play it. It's good. It is quite good. Are you one of Dressed up like a clown for them With his face painted white and red And on his best behavior In a dark room on the bed He kissed them all He'd killed ten thousand people Pleasant stuff right there. Truly, was- truly pleasant stuff. I believe that was the first song I knew by him. Oh, wow. Well, I guess I might as well say my favorite song, and I do want to play one other one as well that I think is pretty close now, uh, but my favorite song is probably from that album as well, and it's the very next song, Jacksonville. 
Oh, nice. Jacksonville is a good song as well. song love that song yeah i mean i like pretty much everything off of this album i don't think there's a bum track on illinois i i do too i i I would have to agree i still think i guess it's a good time to talk about illinois because i if you know i still think that it's probably in my mind his greatest work that's just where it sits for me right there sits it sits right there and i love all of his other stuff but this one just tops it for me I have such a hard time because I want to agree with you, but Carrie and Lowell is like one of my all-time favorite albums. I li- I listened to that album, I think, four or five times this week because I like it so much. I was like, I just can't stop listening to it. I was really into that one, but uh, th- this one's still my favorite. Understandably. Jared, Illinois favorite? Probably. I'd say so. There's just something about this album. I mean, it's 22 songs long. You know, a couple of them are short little tidbits, really. Uh, what, three or f- three, four of them are, uh, you know, less than a minute little interludes. But, like, every single song on this thing is just solid, really. And the first half, I mean, all of them are solid, but the first half is just, like, phenomenal. You know, the first half really does it. Uh, an- yeah, another song that I would be remiss if I didn't mention that I also absolutely love is uh, Casimir Pulaski Day, which just tugs at me, tugs at me heartstrings every time, pal. So, good good stuff. I don't know. What were you going to say, Caleb? Oh, I was just going to say that I think that, honestly, one thing that's worth mentioning, too, is that I think that Michigan is criminally underrated given the fact that people love Illinois so much because Michigan has such a similar sound. If you like... Illinois, you're gonna then you should also totally love Michigan. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's got all sorts of phenomenal songs as well. Uh, Holland is good. Oh, Detroit, lift up your weary head. Uh, I love. I think my favorite from that album would be Flint for the unemployed and underpaid. That's my favorite one from that album. Oh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's so good. What a wonderful opener. I think that's mine too. Yeah, Michigan's a very close second for me. Entirely fair. I th- it's definitely a close third for me. I I really really love his albums. Like there's a reason that I picked him because I knew I was gonna love his albums, but it was very very much solidified by getting to listen to this week. It, this is definitely has been one of my favorite weeks that we have done, and I've been waiting to do Sufjan for a while. So I'm glad that we are doing it. But but yeah, a lot of these albums. I I I definitely agree that the electronic stuff is a little bit lower tier for me. It's not like my, I don't I like for enjoy your rabbit specifically uh and I'm I'm glad that you like it Tyler but for me I know that that album I found it was kind of like his so early in his like knowledge of electronic music that there'd just be no way that it would be like astounding I don't feel like there was like a cohesive thought to all of the songs it seemed like they were just kind of scattered which like is sometimes okay but it tended to be that there wasn't like this like major theme to his album, even though there was supposed to be a major theme. So 
and I didn't I didn't love a son came either. So there's a couple albums that like I definitely didn't love from him, but majority wise, his albums just knock it out of the park for me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just I, all of them. I, I like Illinois the most. The rest of them, I don't think I could even rank. I just really like, except for I don't. I mean, Aporia would be the at the bottom for me. Um, but I haven't spent a lot of time with it. I mean, I've only listened to it one time, and I really, for instance, this week I listened to a Sun Came and Enjoy Your Rabbit twice at least because I really wanted to kind of get a good idea of what I was thinking about those. Uh, and Aporia, it didn't do something to me on first go the way that those two albums did. So I didn't get a chance to get back around to it. I mean, but it's not, I don't think that it's not good. I still really enjoy it. It just, it doesn't, it's not the same level as everything else for me, I suppose. Did everybody enjoy Seven Swans or did anybody not particularly love that one? We haven't talked a whole lot about Seven Swans. I was into it. I really liked that one. Did you? Yeah, I could see liking that the the kind of like toned down, minimalistic kind of folk is way more up your alley, Dax. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty good. I really like the song Abraham. Mm-hmm. Yes. Abraham's good. I like the opener on that one very much as well. Uh, all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Yep. It's definitely a good album. I I really I actually own that one. Uh, I guess I only own that in Illinois at the moment. Oh, you own surprisingly. Illinois? Yep. Well, how'd you, did you get so, that on vinyl? Yeah. That's hard to get. Uh, let's see. I mean, I must have bought it a couple of years ago. It could be out of press now. Maybe it was, they had just done a repress at that point. I could. I I almost bought a really cool um, pressing of it that was colored, and then it had like a star, a red star shaped single in there that was cool. But I didn't get. It. I just got the regular one. But it's a double, a trifold sleeve, and it's a double. So yeah, it's. I've got that. It's great, and I've owned Seven Swans as well, which I really, really, I do really enjoy that. The only one that I own is Carrie and Lowell. So yeah, also very good. I mean, I would love to own all of them to be honest with you. Unfortunately. The Sun Came Up was only released on CD, quite sad. Oh, it was never released on vinyl? Nope, never released on vinyl, and it's never been reissued on vinyl. Huh. I checked Discogs, trust me. So, it's unfortunate. But, yeah, it's, uh, did you, oh, by the way, I, I looked back, and it looks like, and I can't, I could, didn't look very far, but it looks like every album was released on Asthmatic Kitty, so. Um, it looks like he does at least own the rights to everything. Did you catch that? The first track on Enjoy Your Rabbit is Year of the Asthmatic Cat. Oh, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, it is. I kind of forgot about that, honestly. On uh, Age of Odds, is that how you say it? Odds? Yeah, Odds. Odds, yep. Uh, on the track Now That I'm Older, there is a special appearance by St. Vincent singing backing vocals. Really? Yeah. I didn't notice that. Mm-hmm. That's very cool. Thank you. You're welcome. I just found it. I didn't sing it. Yeah. Well, we're on that album. I have uh, one more that sounds familiar here. It's a good one. Uh, The song Vesuvius. Now, just speed that up and uh, put it to a song about our uh, dear leader, and you got uh, Donald Trump by Mac Miller. Indeed. Yes, that was a a sample, huh? Hey yo, Seth, what's good, bruh? This man's kinda high on here. <laughs> hey yo, the flyest motherfucker in the room. Yeah, you know it's me. Bitches hating on him cause he started out here locally. Hopefully, I'll be at the top soon. For now, I'm at my house on the couch watching cartoons. You know how much you love it when you get it. In. Ain't that a good sample? 
Mm. Talked about that one on uh, Fleetwood Mac Miller from Good Band, Bad Band, if you want to check that one out, too. Oh, boy. We did, huh? It's always hard to transition out of a That Sounds Familiar. I got another favorite song. Hey. It's uh, Off a Sun Came. It's uh, it's uh, Satan's Saxophone. Jesus. <laughs> it's it's fun. It's fun. I found that to be a very fun track. Unless you forget that it's on there and you start listening and then it comes on and you're just like, what is this? Please turn this off. It's a surpriser, that's for sure. Let's play a little bit of Satan's saxophone. All over the kitchen. She would vomit on the tables and on the countertops and in the refrigerator. And uh, we call the dog. A dog would come in and slip on the vomit. The Aristocats. <laughs> That's enough of that. So from that album, as I mentioned, I really I had never heard it before, and it really kind of stuck with me hearing it for the first time. And I really enjoyed a loverless bed. Such a shame that I can't get over this. That was definitely my favorite one from that album as well. I like that it's more guitar-driven than what a lot of his other songs are. But I'd like to play Super Sexy Woman to give another taste of what A Sun Came sounds like. She's a superhuman girl. She is superwoman. Superman's cousin She's got superpower loving She's got superhuman eyes See-through superhuman vision She's got superhuman thoughts. Honestly, if you put a little bit more percussion in that, that's just a Scott Pilgrim versus the World song. Yeah. Oh, come on now. It's prior to that. I know. But I'm not saying he's ripped it off. I'm saying it just has that same kind of vibe. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That kind of that song brings up some in, an interesting thought for me because uh, he has, and I maybe you have read differently in the in the more recent times, you know. But he's been said to speak a lot about uh, Christian Christianity in his lyrics because he is a Christian person, indeed. But he sings from a place uh, I find really interesting and I find to be very genuine um, of a Christian person who is firstly a human. Mm-hmm. Uh, and therefore has his doubts and has his downfalls and has his own thoughts that, you know, he, and so his music is very much human music uh, in terms of, the, you know, his religious affiliation, if you will. Well, two things stem from that. One is, and I think that I agree because of a track like Abraham, because on that song, that's that's a very difficult story for any kind of Christian, the story of Abraham where God tells Abraham to effectively sacrifice his son for him as kind of a test of his his faith, which is admittedly a pretty dark story when it comes down to it. And I, I don't know, like it's always been one that has made me as like someone who has kind of struggled with Christianity. Um, that That's a very 
a, it's a hard story to swallow, I guess. But he's also talked about how he thinks that there's a specific platform where, you know, where music and maybe his religious affiliation don't necessarily have to meet. Like, it seems like he is fine with the idea that his music does not necessarily have to be, I guess, I mean, really what it comes down to, he doesn't want his music to necessarily be preachy, but he still wants to explore those religious themes because they're important to him as an artist. They're important to him as a person. Right, exactly, yeah. And that's where it comes, you know, he comes at, at it from a place of humanity, of realizing that, you know, it's not a pious place. It's not a preachy place, and it's not a place to to push anything on anyone. You know what I mean? Because he also addresses, in Roman Pulaski Day, for instance, um, you know, someone who's essentially watching someone they care about die uh, and is questioning their faith and turning against God in a way. You know what I mean? Uh, and, there, and there's something powerful about that. So it's, it's you know, doubt is a human feeling, you know? Um, so I think that that's really interesting, the way that that works into some of his songs. Well, I think that he explores a lot of interesting themes throughout his music, and I think that religion is one that always stands out, but he also... And I think this is important for his two major uh, states albums is he really explores the themes of like the working man in a similar way to like a folk singer does. Like when he talks about Flint, Michigan, when he talks about um, I mean, he even has like a song on. Hold on. He has a song on Illinois called. To the workers of the Rock River Valley. And like he has things that he's talking about on his album where he's talking about multiple things from that state and both of those states are states where the the working class are very important to that state and that's somebody that i think that he highlights well through his music and it's not necessarily just about the state but it's also about the scenery of the state and it's about the people in the state and about you know stories from that state like john wayne gacy is not necessarily a song that's about illinois but it's about illinois you know right well yeah he's done a very good job at connecting people to to existing within a, a physical place kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, like the existence of a place, the existence of a physical place uh, and what that's like and things like that. So yeah, he did a really great job on those albums and the rest of them when he addresses, you know, the, the what he addresses with it, he, he really like goes all in, in terms of finding what he's going to write about. And every song is its own piece that stand that can easily stand alone, you know, and it and it exhibits and focuses on and kind of dives into certain aspects of humanity, and uh, and you know the reality. Uh, for instance, in John Wayne Gacy Jr. like talks about his mother folding his T-shirts, you know, the innocence of childhood and like people whose lives are intertwi- intertwined with a person like John Wayne Gacy. You know what I mean? And how that experience is and the how and, and normalizing it in a way of understanding it from a very human place. I definitely think that John Wayne Gacy Jr., Dax's favorite song, is definitely a very poignant song. I think it's a very powerful song for that reason. I think that the the ability of him to look at a very dark character and a very hated character and shine a little bit of light on him, I guess, is something that is not something that many artists would be able to do. Yeah, I agree. I will play my favorite song now. Please do. I've changed my mind. Yeah. I was going to have, and we can still, I want to talk about this song because it's very interesting. 
He did a song called Tanya Harding that came out in I think 2017 around the time uh around the time they were talking about making the the film I Tanya but also like when her name was back in the news he wrote a song about Tanya Harding which is very interesting <clears throat> but I also just found on the soundtrack for uh the film I'm Not There which is a, a film about Bob Dylan where various people played Bob Dylan throughout different points of his life. Uh, he did a cover of the song Ring Them Bells by Bob Dylan, and that's going to be, I think, my favorite song by Sufjan because I like Bob Dylan. Have you heard this song before? Yes. Okay. I thought I thought you were saying this is going to be my favorite song as to say that you had never heard it before, and so let's hear it so I know that it's my favorite. Ring them bells, ye heathen from the city dreams ring them bells from the sanctuaries cross the valleys and streams for their deep and their wide and the world's on its side and time is running backwards and so is the bride pretty good Natasha Bedingfield actually does a, a good cover of that song as well, surprisingly. Oh, really? Well, I mean, not really. She's good, but she's kind of just known for Pocket Full of Sunshine, but right. she's a good singer. Do you, um, do you want to talk about the Tanya Harding one a little bit more, or do you just want to play it? I, I don't really know what, like, I mean, I don't, it's, it, I mean, if you want to play it, I just, he, it came out, uh, let's see when it came out. It did come out in 2017. Yeah. So it would have been, I mean, it's kind of basically when her name was back in, um, the news and i think she kind of somehow became more of a um sympathetic character i'm not really sure why but with the film and you know the various things about her life he decided to write a song about her so would you like to play that song in d major or an e flat minor or e flat major e b major that's what that says uh do the dj oh that's flat, right? I was going to say, am I wrong? No, you're not. <laughs> okay. I was just reading Ib. Ib. In uh, Ib major. Do a D, I guess. I don't know. You got First it. One. Well, this world is a cold one, but it takes one to know one. And God only knows what you are. Just some Portland white trash. Sorrow like there was no tomorrow while the rest of the world only left. I do like that Tanya Harding song. It's very uh the lyrics. I mean it's it's he's talking exactly sometimes he has a song about something and he's not actually talking about that thing. But in this song he certainly is. He certainly is. You are right. What did she do? She hired her boyfriend to uh yeah, uh, uh, take out um Another, Another skater. skater. It was Tanya Harding and, oh my gosh, I know who it is. No one will ever remember. Carrington. Yeah. Carrington. Uh, Nancy. Nancy Carrington. Thank you, Tyler. Uh, she hired, I, it was either, I think it was her boyfriend or a bodyguard or something. Her, to, I thought it was her ex-husband. Ooh, ex-husband. Tanya Harding hired her own ex-husband to take out Nancy Kerrigan. She stabbed her with a skate prior to, I believe, the Olympics or the World Championship, one of the two, and basically... Uh, took her out of competition, and then it came out that that Tanya Harding and De- they both were um, popular professional skaters. Yeah, and so uh, 
she was a skater boy and she said see you later boy hmm you think that you'd think that you would know about this song from how many times we've listened to headline news by Weird Al Yankovic that's true you'd think that that would have told that tells the whole story that Jared just told but without the Avril Lavigne mention that's true um I believe Tanya Harding was suspended uh, for a long time. Nancy Carrington uh, obviously had to recover, but she was able to skate again. I don't think she ever was able to, you know, uh, come back. I think they've tried to get both she, of them. She came back. Yeah. Uh, I thought that I saw. I was just looking at it, actually. But I don't... Um, I, I think that they've tried to get them to, like, get back in a room together and forgive each other, which I don't think uh, Nancy... That's uh, a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think she you has be to pals? forgive her. <laughs> no. <laughs> She's not obligated to. No. That's a horrible thing to do to somebody that you're in competition with. Just right. beat her. She knew she couldn't beat her, and so she just took her out. So one of the songs that I'd like to play, uh, because I would like any opportunity to talk about Moses Sumney as many times as I possibly can, I'm going to play the original version of that song, but Sufjan also did a version of that song as well, the song Make Out In My Car. And here is the version by Sufjan Stevens. different yeah it was really quite good though i i thought so too i've doesn't always even, been a big fan of that cover doesn't even sound like the same song really i know it's got like the different guitar bits he sings it differently like the whole just the whole song is just completely different now was he was moses something in that reworking though at all uh no but i believe that he, no i don't think he sang on it at all i believe he just was like a production help or something like that. Yeah. I attempted to figure it out when I listened to that this week, but I couldn't, I didn't have a, I was not successful. I'll say. Yeah. Couldn't figure it out myself. Cause it is, what, what was it on? Make an EP that was featured on an EP where four artists, Oh, three artists um, did retakes of that song. Alex Isley did a version, James Blake did a version and Sufjan. And then the extended version of the original, I suppose was the first track on that EP. By Moses Sumney. Hmm. Interesting. So I think there's only one album that we haven't delved into a whole lot before we we wrap this up, which is Carrie and Lowell. We have not spent a lot of time on that one because again, Aporia we talked a little bit about because of Enjoy Your Rabbit, but that, that is the the newest one. But prior to that, the one that is the the most Sufian album, I guess, because he actually sings on it. Uh, is Carrie and Lowell. And that one's probably, not probably, definitely my favorite album. So I didn't know what you guys thought about that album and where your take was throughout that album's process. It was up there for me. I think um, Illinois, Michigan, and then that one for me. Like those three. And then Seven Swans, like all the folky stuff is kind of like 
bulked in right after that. But sure. those three are kind of a clear top for me. How about you, Jerry? Where do you stand on Carrie and Lowell? I thought it was all right. It was uh, worth the critical acclaim. Tyler? It's certainly a good album, and it deals with lots of difficult subjects and topics, uh, and not only in his own life, but in the lives of everyone, for instance. And uh, it's he really... It's kind of weird to think of a, an artist, and there are quite there's a handful of them out there who can take really difficult subjects and turn them into a song that's very accessible, to where the ideas even are becoming accessible and easier to digest and easier to to think about. I suppose it doesn't just make you feel all you know. And he's definitely done that on this album. Well, if you think about a song like The Only Thing, where he's talking about, like, driving his car off a ledge and cutting himself, like, but somehow makes it sound like not a completely, like, heart heartbreaking song. Like, it, you know, it, in the lyrics it is, but the way that he presents it is, again, like you said, like, very ingestible. Like, it's very easy, easy to listen to that song without being totally bummed out, I guess. Yeah, I would totally agree with you. And I think that plays back into his ability to really focus on humanity because I mean that's those are real feelings that a lot of people have. Um and it's just it's just he's got a really great ability as a songwriter to re- to reach people uh in a way that really makes sense with who people are, I suppose, at a base level. Yeah, my my favorite song comes off of Carrie and Lowell, I would say. I I struggle to always pick a favorite one from him, but I think that's the one that always kind of stands out to me is 4th of July that it's just a it's a it's a real heart-wrenching song for sure. like i like all the piano bit to that i like how just subdued his vocals are across the song like it just you can tell that it is one of the tracks off of that album that really means something to him when he plays it you know yeah that one definitely stood out to me what do you think i don't know if you read anything about that song or if there's anything to read or not uh i don't know i always i felt like he was speaking to his mother in that song that's who i that's what i imagined i don't know but it was difficult because sometimes it kind of flooded around to a different type of relationship with another person i don't know if it's focused on an individual or you know as he often can sometimes do anyone of significant importance to someone it's it is hard to say i i have not read up for sure but i'm assuming that you are right that that song is in particular about his mother because uh the concept really of this album is about the relationship of his mother and lol so he didn't actually grow up with his mother and his stepfather he grew up with his um his father and his stepmother and so he would kind of periodically visit his mom and his step his stepdad and now obviously he has a good relationship with Lowell because he's you know on his you know he's part of his label and he's kind of like a part of his music process but with Carrie I don't think that he ever had a, a strong relationship with her because she struggled with mental health issues and it was very difficult and you can hear that a lot 
kind of explored throughout this album. This one, I think, honestly, is an album where that theme is explored more than really almost any of his other themes. So like with an Illinois, sure, he's talking about, you know, things that are associated with Illinois, but obviously he's talking about something else. And with Michigan, the same as for that one. But with this one, the concept is grounded and it always stays within that concept and within those themes. So at this point, does anybody have anything else that they'd like to say about Sufjan Stevens? All right. Well, I think that that's everything we got then. Let's go ahead and close out. Well, hold on. Oh, please, please do. We need to do a little shout out here. Uh, our new patron, Albert. What, what's up? Uh, what's up, buddy? Here's an elbow. We're shaking elbows. Shaking elbows, indeed. Too germy out there for handshakes, but we got you. But we appreciate you nonetheless. Our appreciation is still extended, even if our hands are not. Exactly. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Record Roundtable. This week we've been talking about Sufjan Stevens. And next week we'll be talking about Blur. Thank you for listening. Check out our social media. Thank you for listening, for sure. Goodbye. I fell in love again. All things go, all things go. Drove to Chicago. All things know.